time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. DSM, how are we feeling tonight? Oh, I, I'm so sad you feel so bad. Is anybody feeling good? Good, good. Hey, shout at me if you were in junior high. Let me hear you shout at me. That's good, that's good. If you are fresh, I mean just, just started, you're fresh. You got any ninth graders in here? Ninth, yeah. Okay, let me let me, shout. Sophomores, shout. Is there anyone that is proud to be a junior? All right, I think that's everybody. So we're gonna. Ju- oh, oh. Any any sixth graders? All right, what about seniors? Do I got any seniors? There it is. There it is. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, we are, if, if you're watching the, uh, the announcements, and uh, if you have keen observation skills, you can see that we are in a new series called Belong. Everybody say belong. belong. Oh, say it like you mean it, belong. belong. Say I belong. I belong. Oh, belong. That's right. You didn't know if to say that or not, did you? Good, yeah, so belong. So I'm excited as we, as we jump into this series, this idea of belonging to God, belonging here, belonging to each other, belonging to a movement. And what God's going to do in these next few weeks, I believe, is powerful in each of you. And I'm really excited tonight. We're going to talk primarily about belonging to God. And uh, I think that that is such a huge thing as we enter in into a new school year. Everybody say boo. If you love school... Then, then say, I love school. Oh, you are good people. If you, never mind, we won't go anywhere else. So as we start this new year, as we, as we jump in, and, and most of you have started, for those of you that haven't, God bless you, and, uh, you know, but, but as we jump into this new year, that I think that this idea that we belong to God, what that means, I think it is so crucial to your success this year, as you walk the halls of your school, as you, as you interact with your friends, as you talk uh, to, to your peers. I think it's so important that we know not just that we belong, but who we belong to. And that's that we belong to Jesus. This was something that was, was really important uh, in my life. And so it's exciting to get to talk about this tonight. I, I, there was a moment for me where I really felt like God downloaded this into my own heart and my own life. And, and really, it's impacted me ever since. And so I was, uh, I was about your age. Uh, and so I was probably, probably 15 years old. And I got to go on a missions trip. How many of you guys have ever been on any kind of missions trip? Yeah. Listen, I'm telling you, this, this trip was so impacting in my life. And actually, any time when, when I was in high school that I got to go on one of these trips, they, they were so powerful. And so I want to even encourage you, as, as, we, as you live this year, as you prepare this year, man, DSM doing missions, I want to encourage you, just even decide now that you're going to go, so you're going to start saving your money, because you want to make sure to go whenever we go do missions, because it is so huge, it's so important. And God does things on those trips that, that will 
impact you the rest of your life. I'm here standing many, 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 many years later and still remember so distinctly God moving in my heart and in my life. And so I got to go to uh, Guatemala. And so, yeah, it was cool. Ate lots of fruit and uh, weird, we, we drank weird drinks. Uh, like it was like a hot day. It's hot there. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's hot. And we were building a church and they would give us, the locals would come and give us a nice refreshing beverage and it had beans in it. And that, that was not so refreshing, but it was, you know, you always get those fun uh, missions stories. You know, we were in some tiny village and uh, I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I don't know, something I'd eaten something weird, I don't know, but you ever wake up and it's just like, you're like, something's not right. There, I, I don't really know what it is, but something, and you just, and it just comes out and you, you're awake just long enough to be like, what's going, is, you know, that happened. And it, I mean, I was just everywhere and we were all staying in a big room. And, uh, and so, and so I woke everybody up, you know, it's middle of the night. People just wake up to just everywhere. And so I'm glad, aren't you glad you came tonight? You know, those are fun stories. So we go through this whole trip. It was great. It was powerful. It's really fun to be a part of. And then the last night comes, we come back to Guatemala City. We're actually staying at a hotel now. This is like the last night. So they try to do it, you know, nice and we're flying out. And uh, my leader's like, hey, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, we're leaving tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Listen, I'm pretty convinced. I've done some scientific research. And I found out that from 4 to 5, no one should be awake. Like from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m., there's no reason to be awake. You should not stay up till 4 a.m. If you're up at 3.59, go to bed, right? And you should not have to get up in the fours. I did it. I worked at Starbucks for a little bit, and I had to get up and be at work in the fours. And I just learned that even God was sleeping. My alarm went off, and God was like, Dan, go back to bed. So 4 a.m., they, they tell me that we have to be up at 4 a.m., and I was like, well... The only logical thing is to not sleep at all, right? Wouldn't you think that if, the, if you have to get up at 4 a.m., the only logical thing is to not sleep at all. So, so I rally my friends, and I'm like, dude, let's do this. Let's stay up all night through the night. It's going to be awesome. We're going to love it. It's going to be so great. And so they were like, yes, let's go for it. And so there were rules, you know, when you're on these trips. And so it's like, you can't be, we couldn't leave the hotel and, uh, and we couldn't be outside of our rooms by ourselves, so we had to stay in groups. And so we were like, okay, we're going to sit out in the lobby. And we're going to stay up all night long. And so we did the typical thing you do when you stay up all night long, right? You, you, you kind of try to figure out stuff to do. You play dumb games. You're trying to figure out. You, we didn't have, like, there was no TV. There, we couldn't play any video games. We couldn't do it. So, so we're, like, talking. And, you know, you do the, the thing. It's, like, 1 2 o'clock in the morning. You're telling stories. And you're like, and so then the other day, and it's really funny. <laughs> <sighs> that awkward silence when no one has anything to say. And then someone else decides to tell a story, and they're like, and everyone's laughing. <sighs> and eventually you run out of things to say. And I remember so distinctly sitting in that hotel lobby as my friends slowly went to their rooms. I felt like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. All had left me, all had betrayed, 
I was there, I was by myself, and I was a, I was a good kid. I was like, I got to follow the rules. So I got to go back to my room because all my friends left me. So I went back to the room. Silence, darkness, the soothing sounds of breathing. This was not conducive to me staying up, but I was committed. I was in. I had made a vow to myself. And so I was like, I'm doing this. So I went the only place that I could go, the bathroom. And I sat the only place that I could sit, the toilet. And there I was in the middle of Guatemala, two o'clock in the morning, trying to stay up. And so I was like, okay, got to stay up, got to stay up. What should I do? Let's count the ceiling tiles. One, two, that was fast. Okay. Let's count them backwards. Two, one, still going. All right. You know, start counting toilet paper. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I don't know why I was counting, but somehow counting kept me awake, you know. So then I was like, okay, okay. I have my Bible. And so maybe I should read my Bible. I was like, I'm going to stay awake. I'll read the Bible. So I get my Bible. And uh, I was like, what would be the most exhilarating book that I could read? Just to, I'm a little tired right now. I'm a little tuckered out here. I want to read something really interesting. I don't know how I got there, but somehow I ended up in Deuteronomy. Maybe not the book I should have chosen. Maybe not what you would think when you're thinking, how do I stay up? But I got to Deuteronomy and somehow I made it to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. I think I started in chapter 5. And I read this verse and it was, I, I don't know if you've ever had these moments with God, but it was like this moment where I just, I felt the Lord move and it just, this verse popped out. It hit my heart. And to this day, I can quote it to you in the translation that I read it in. And, and I mean, it was like, I remember it. It was this incredible moment with God. And I began to read it. It's Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. It says, for you are a holy people. Who belong to the Lord your God. Of all the people on earth. The Lord your God has chosen you. To be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you. And choose you. Because you were more numerous than other nations. For you were the smallest of all. Rather it was simply. That the Lord loves you. I read that and I read that. You are a people who belong to God. The Lord your God has chosen you. Out of all the people on the planet. To be his treasured possession. To be his special treasure. Said the Lord did not choose you and lavish his love on you. Because you were larger or greater than any other. For you were the smallest of all. It was simply because of his great love. And those ideas went so deep in me. I just got it for some reason. This idea that I belong to God. I've given my life to Jesus. I've given my life to the Lord. I belong to him. And he's chosen me. It's like... Uh, you know, like when you're playing sports and you have first captain and second captain, you know what I'm talking about? And let me just give you a little hint. Uh, if you're not going to be picked, become a captain. That's, a, that's the way to avoid any kind of embarrassment. You know, you got these captains and the captains are picking teams. And, uh, and I don't know about you, but I always sat there with like the, oh, good Lord, please don't let me be picked last. Like I just, and you begin to look at the other people around you and you're like, I might be picked last. I don't know. You just don't want to be picked last. 
You think this goes away. Listen, friends, this still happens. Anytime I play games, we play volleyball in the suburb. We pick teams. I'm always like, oh, please pick me first. Don't pick me last. Just to make me feel better. I'm a grown man. This still happens. Don't play games with first and second captain. Anyway, I want you to imagine you got Jesus as first captain. And every time he says, Diego, I want you on my team. Diego, I pick you. I choose you. Jed, you're my boy. I want you on my team. I choose you. God, you belong to him. And he has chosen you out of everyone. It says, and I kept reading. He said, it wasn't because you were larger or greater than any other. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Because I was not a large young man. I was like, it, it wasn't because I'm the biggest. It's not because I'm the best. Jesus doesn't choose you. He doesn't, he doesn't want you on his team because you're the smartest, you're the best looking, you're the most talented. It's not because of anything that you've done or can do. He just says, look, it's simply because I love you, because I believe in you, because I want you. So he didn't choose you because you were the largest or the greatest for you, the smallest of all. It was simply, bottom line, because of his great love. We belong to Jesus he picks you. He wants you on his team. And it's simply because he loves you. It's simply because he likes you. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says that we were bought with a price. We were bought with a price. Jesus had to pay a price for us. If you read in 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us. I love that word lavish. That word lavish, I just even think of what does it mean that God lavishes his love on us. I just want you to picture this like ocean, picture the ocean. Anybody been to the ocean? Anybody ever been to the ocean? Yeah. Okay. Anybody ever drank ocean water? Okay. I had a really bad experience. I had a really bad experience. Uh, we went with DLA. We went boating a couple weeks ago and I was wakeboarding and uh, I fell and somehow I inhaled water in ways that I was not supposed to. I've never had this happen. But like, I literally was drowning. I was there and I couldn't breathe. I, this is going to be, you're not going to like this. But I would try to breathe. I was thinking in my mind, you're okay, you're alive. And then I tried to breathe. And I was like, what is that? That was weird. Why can I not breathe? This is weird. I'm just laying in water. And I tried to breathe. I couldn't do it. No air would go in. And they were on the boat. Ty was like, Dan, are you okay? And Amy was like, Dan, are you all right? And they're yelling at me. And I couldn't respond. And so I just... I said, one minute, I didn't say anything. I just, and they didn't know what that meant. They were like, are you okay? And I was like, oh. and I was thinking, don't freak out. You're not going to die. Even though you can't breathe and you need oxygen to live, somehow you're okay. And finally, my body regulated to its normal state. I mean, it was like, okay, I get it. You're not going to drown. And so I didn't, and that was good. So I'm here tonight and I didn't drown. But I drank a lot of water. God, I drank a lot of water that night. I want you to picture, I don't know why I told that story. That was totally random. Had nothing to do with anything. Other than, I want you to picture being at the ocean. And those of you that drank ocean water, that's gross. I want you to picture kneeling down at the ocean, looking out. The ocean representing how much God loves you. You have a straw in your hand. And you get to drink it as much as you want. And as much as you can drink the ocean, you don't ever put a dent in it. I don't think any of you, I mean, you could try. You could go to a lake and you probably couldn't dent it. 
You know, you go try to drink a lake, and you're going to drink, and you're going to drink, and you're going to get all full of water, and you're going to be like, oh, I'm done. And people are going to be like, that lake looks the same. You didn't do anything to it. There is an ocean of God's love available to you. We don't even know how much he loves us. And it is all available to you. It is, uh, for the rest of your life, you can drink deep of God's love. And you won't even dent the extent to which he loves you. So when it says that he lavishes his love on you, I want you to realize that that really means drenches you. Like he lavishes it more above than you ever needed, than you ever knew, than you ever can think possible. That's how much God loves you. How great is the love that the Father lavishes on us that we should be called children of God. That we should be called children of God. You are called a child of God. Jesus purchased that opportunity. I looked it up just for fun. In the Greek, that word called is kaleo. Now, I know you don't care about what Greek words are, but uh, sometimes I think it's fun to to look up what it is. And and kaleo in the Greek, uh, the word for called is not simply just a title. It's not just that you have been given the title. It's also, it, it means that you have been given the invitation. You have been given the invitation to be a child of the living God. You have been given the calling that the, 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 he is longing for you. He wants you on his team. You've been given that. You've been called to be a child of God. And that, John says, is what we are. So we see Jesus. Jesus who bought the right for you to be called for you to be invited to be his children. And it was simply because he loves you. That's it. We look at Hebrews 12 too. It says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning at shame. For the joy set before him, Jesus looked at that cross and mocked it. And said, you know what? I don't even care. Do you know what that joy was? You. You were that joy. When Jesus was standing there, looking forward, to, looking at, at the beating, looking at getting whipped and chained, looking at being dragged and hung on a cross for dead, the most painful kind of death there was, he looked and he saw you. And he said, all right, I can do this. I'll go through with it. I'm in. That's how much he loves you. If we can begin to get this idea That we, because of Jesus, have the opportunity to be called children of God. It changes everything. When we start to think that we have a God that loves us, that we have a God that is for us, that we are his children, we are sons, we are daughters of the most high living God. What does that mean? What does it mean if you begin to be someone who who, who walks in that, who knows who you are as, as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God, what does that do to us? I think it does a few things. In Romans 8, it says, You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful. Instead, you received a spirit that we, he has adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are also his heirs. When we begin to know who God is and when we get, begin to know that he loves us, let me tell you the first thing that happens when you know that you are a son of the Most High, when you know you're a child of God, when you know that you are a daughter of God, is fear begins to go away. All of a sudden, you're not so afraid of what people think of you. All of a sudden, you're not so afraid of how you're going to take care of things. Because you know that Romans says that if he is for you, who dare be against you? 
If God is for you, and he is, because remember, he said, I want you on my team. I want you to be called my child. He's for you. So who dare be against you? When I was growing up, my dad would always tell me. So you guys know David. He's my older brother. I have two older sisters, Dana and Deborah. They're triplets. And uh, that means they're all born at the same time. Not like the exact same time, but roughly. And uh, so anyway, uh, so my dad would always tell me, listen, Dan, here's the deal. If you uh, ever start a fight with one of your siblings, then I'm going to let them finish it. But if they start it, you let me know and I'll finish it. And I was like, all right, then. All right. I knew that my dad had my back. If they ever started it with me, he would finish it. And, I, and, and that gave me a level of confidence. I didn't fear, you know, I was like, yeah, older siblings. And then I kind of began to try and instigate without instigating so that they could start it. And I'd be like, dad, finish it, you know, whatever. But, but he's like, if, if they start it, I'll finish it. Listen, you have a God that when you are in trouble, he'll finish it. When people come against you, he'll finish it. The psalmist write it throughout the Psalms. You read that he is the one that vindicates us. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to be the one that, listen, when, when you feel like people are mistreating you and you feel like things aren't fair, you don't have to use your words to slander them, to try and make them look bad. You can trust that you have a God that will defend you. You have a God that, will, that has your back. It's not your job to put other people down. It's your job to trust in him. He's your advocate. He is for you. You have nothing to fear. You don't have to worry. You know, it, Jesus talks about the, the, the flowers of the field being, being clothed, the birds of the air that, that get food. He, and if, if God takes care of them, how much more will he take care of you? Jesus said that the father, he's a good father who desires to give good gifts. You have a good God who is a good father. I don't know, when you start talking about the father, you know, when you start talking about father God, when you start talking about being children of God, I know that that changes all, all of us have our own paradigm based on our own lives. And I'm not trying to tell, I don't know what your picture is, but I want to tell you tonight, you have a good heavenly father who wants to give you good gifts, who wants to defend you, who has your back, who is for you. And that gives you so much confidence to be you because he created you. He loves you. He knows everything, everything that you think about yourself that is so weird. He's like, that's not weird. I made those web toes. You know, like, he's like, listen, I made it so that you have gray hair at age seven. It's okay. All the things that you like are ashamed of and all the things that you think people think are weird. Who cares what they think? God is like, I love that about you. You have a God who created, who created you. He loves you. He's for you. You can walk with confidence. And listen, there ain't nothing better looking than confidence. And so all of you, you can walk knowing that you have a God that loves you. And so who cares about everything else? You're a son. You're a daughter. You've been marked. You've been adopted into the family. Maybe you were an orphan before, but now you have a good father who loves you. Will give you that confidence. God is our refuge. He is our strength. In troubled times, when, when things seem hard, he's your refuge. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to strive. You don't have to work on your own. You don't have to be like, man, life is hard. And if I will just, you know, work as hard as I can, you have to trust in him. Your job is to trust in him and be obedient. He's the one that's your refuge. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It means that you're obedient to him as a good son, as a good daughter is to their father. He gives you a new name. When you are a son, when you're a child, you take the name of your parents. 
For, you, for, for me, it's Perkins. I got the name Perkins when I was born. That's what I'm stuck with, and so I go for it. You know, you get a new name. You know, we see in the Bible, Saul, Saul was mocking in the book of Acts. He was like, people came up to me. He was like, what? Are you going to try and convert me to be a Christian? Guess what happens? Jesus is like, no, I am. You know, and Jesus comes after him, shows up. Paul's like, whoa, okay, I'm blind. I believe you. You're great now. And Jesus says, you're no longer Saul. You're Paul. He changes his name. He gives him a new identity. When you gave your life to Jesus, you get his identity. You get a new identity. You're no longer who you were. You're no longer defined by the things you've done. You are defined by Jesus. And he looks at you and he says, you're redeemed. You're forgiven. I, be- I love you. I'm going to use you to do great things. I don't see all the grossness that, that, of the past. I see my child that I love. You get a new name. You get a new identity. When you begin to walk in the identity that you're a son, that, that, that you're a daughter, when you begin to walk knowing I'm a child of God. And I know, listen, I keep using the word child. I know you're like, listen, I ain't no child. Yes, you are. Listen, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm talking to my mom. I'm talking to my mom last week, right? She, I'm the youngest, okay, of, of our, all, everybody in my family, all of our kids, what, her kids, whatever. And, and so, like, when she talks about it, she still says, my kids or my children, right? She doesn't sit down. She's like, hey, Dan, will you gather all the offspring? That's not what she says, right? So to her, I'm always her child. I'm always her kid, all right? So we are, when you compare yourself to God, who has existed for all of eternity past, and you're 16, you can get over being called the child for a little bit. We've been given, each one of us, even, even the name Christian, that's pretty cool. And I know it's so common in our, in our day, but, but at the time, that was, a, that was a, a name for the people that were following Jesus. And it was Christian, little Christ, those that are following Jesus, that are living like Jesus. That's pretty cool. Now, I, wanna, I think we should redeem that word and, and be proud to be called a Christian. Not because it's like some religion, but because, man, I hope I, hope I live like a Christian. Meaning, I hope I live like Jesus. I hope I live like one. And when we get that name, we can begin to walk in that identity. One last, you know, we read in, in the Romans that we're heirs. Now, what does that mean? It means that we get an inheritance. Uh, when I was 16 years old, my grandfather passed away. And, um, and I got a little bit of an inheritance at the time. It was a car, which was a big deal to a 16-year-old. I got my grandpa's 1967 Pontiac Catalina. And uh, it was about 30 feet long. No, really, it was about 18 feet long. It was a four-door, two bench seats. My most ever was I fit 10 people in it. 10 people in a car. That's how big it was. I could have fit five more in the trunk. It was made of steel. It was, we, I named it, uh, we called it Blue because I painted it blue. And uh, that was my inheritance. That's what I got. That's probably, I, my dad's a pastor, so I'm kind of thinking that's all I'm getting. Like, that's my inheritance, you know? Like, that's about it. I want you to imagine what your inheritance is as a child of the King of Kings. Of God who has the cattle on a thousand hills, meaning he's wealthier than everyone else. He has all the resources are available to him. You have a great inheritance. Do you know what your inheritance is? Your inheritance is salvation. You've inherited salvation. You've inherited the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit because you are now in the family. You know what else you get? As, you're, as a co-heir with Jesus, you get what he gets. And guess what? He gets creation. 
I don't know what that's going to look like, but somehow we get creation. Pikes Peak out there, I look at that, I'm like, that's my mountain. I mean, maybe not yet, but one day, that, I'm going to own that thing. You know, I hike that thing, I'm like, I just owned you, but later I'm going to literally own you. You know, like, we get to look at that. We get the kingdom. We get to be a part of his kingdom. We get a great inheritance. We get eternal life. We get to live eternally in Jesus. Listen, y'all are all tweeting YOLO and whatever. Whatever, YOLF. You only live forever, right? We live forever, YOLF. That's all it is. Forget this YOLO junk. We're believers. I've inherited eternal life. This thing doesn't end. I'm going to keep going. We get a lot. And it does, it changes something. As Listen, the reason I say all this is because it's pretty awesome to be a child of the King of Kings. It's pretty awesome that we have been invited into the family. And if we begin to get that, it changes how we live in every single way. You can walk the halls of your school and you can know that you are accepted, not rejected. You don't have to look and worry so much about what all these little cliques think about you because you've already been accepted. You can know that you are approved. You're not criticized. God is not sitting in heaven. First of all, he's not sitting, he's here. But he's not just looking at you, criticizing you, looking at everything that you've done wrong. It's so easy to, to feel so criticized and feel like we have to live so perfectly. And I just can't mess up. I just have to, I, I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to, do, listen, you are approved. He likes you. He's approved. He loves you and he likes you too. He enjoys you. You're loved. You're believed in. You're fought for. You're delighted in. Read the Psalms. Do you know that you bring joy to God? I don't even know what that looks like. But listen, I don't know your perspective of God, but I'm just going to tell you right now. God ain't grumpy. Like he's not upset all the time. He's happy and you bring him joy. He delights in you. When When you've given your life to him, you're living for him. Man, he's like, look at my boy. He's doing so great. I'm so proud of him. I love him. It's true. We see it with Jesus, right? God couldn't contain himself, but rip open heaven and be like, Jesus, that's my boy in whom I'm well pleased. He looks at you and he's proud of you. You bring him joy and delight. Girls, young women, I want you to know that verse I read, you are his special treasure. You need to know that about yourself. Every one of you needs to know that you are fought for, that you are delighted in, That you're the apple of his eye. That's what David writes. I want you to know that the one who created beauty calls you beautiful. The one who created beauty calls you beautiful. Young men, you need to know who you are. That the all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing God is for you. He believes in you. He's proud of you. He's given you purpose. You have hope in him. And you have nothing to prove. You don't have to earn anything. And that's the big thing. We don't need to earn our way into God's love. Simply by the fact that, listen, we are are his children. We're brought into the family. We belong to him. One of the things that I see plaguing so many people is this this pain that they suffer through in performance, trying to please other people, trying trying to live for how other people will think of them and not wanting to let down other people. Listen. You have a God who's, inv- who's adopted you, and he says you're successful. He says you don't, need, you don't need to perform for him. You don't need to earn his love. 
So if you struggle with performance, man, I just want to invite you for these next few days, just begin to ask God, okay, God, what do you think of me today? What do you think of this situation? I don't think I lived up to as good as I could have done. What do you see in me? Oh, you see that you, uh, you love me, you're for me, you believe in me, you've set me up for success. I want to give all I have. And listen, I'm not telling you that if we somehow begin to get this idea that we are, uh, that we are children of God, that that puts life on cruise control, that you never struggle, you never have any pain. I'm not telling you that you never have to, to do anything. Do you know what Jesus did? When Jesus was 12 years old, he ran away from home. Well, not really ran away, but he got lost. And, uh, and he was hanging out, and his parents finally found him. And they were like, Jesus, what are you doing? And he looked at them and he said, don't you know that I would be about my father's business? Listen, when you really understand who you are as a, as a child of God, it's a joy to be about his business. It's a joy to, to work hard to advance the kingdom. It's a joy to live in holiness. It's a joy to do all those things because you know who he is. And you know how much he delights in you, how much he loves you. John 1, 12 says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Moose, if you guys want to go ahead and come on up here. Bottom line is that Jesus has given this opportunity to each one of us. We get to be called his children. And, and my whole premise tonight is I want you to see that that's pretty awesome. That it's a pretty good deal that all we have to do is believe. All we have to do is say yes. And then we get to be his children with all that it means to be his children. I know what it means for me to be my father's son. I know what it means that he loves me. I know what it means to be a Perkins. I want you to know what it means to be one that belongs to God. I, I hope that you know that you have a great inheritance coming your way. You, if nothing else, and there is plenty else, you inherit him. You get him free access to approach his throne with confidence and boldness. You have a new identity. I said this earlier, you're not defined by what you've done. You're not defined by all the ways that you think you don't add up or you don't, that, that you think you may have failed. You're not defined by that. You're given a new identity. You're given his name. When we are people that, that have said yes to Jesus, then you can walk in confidence. There's no reason to fear. Confidence. Because look, he's for you. He is for you who dare be against you. There'll be tough days. There'll be days where life seems hard. There'll be days where it seems like there are people against you. And for those that have understood that God is for them, they understand that they can have patience. It's not up to them to defend themselves. It's not up to them to try and prove themselves. You have nothing to prove. In this place, at DSM, I want you to know that you are invited here to be yourself. We want you to be you. 
we love you. We love you being here. You don't need to come in here and try to put on any show. You don't need to be like, listen, I, I, I've kind of had a rough week, so i got to go try and fake the Jesus thing. No. If you're here, be you. If you've, had a, if you've had a rough week and you feel like you failed, man, you know what? Come talk to one of us and tell us about it. It doesn't do anybody any good for you to come in and fake anything. This is a safe place where you're invited to come. Honestly, this is a place to belong. We are all just people. We all have our own stuff, our own junk. Every person in this room thinks there's something weird about them. I'm just telling you. Every person in this room, there's something about themselves that they think is weird. You're not alone. And Jesus looks at that and he's like, I love that. It's like one of my favorite things about you. You're so unique. This is a safe place. But it's not just here. When you know that you belong to God, that confidence begins to seep out into every aspect of life. There's confidence when you walk the halls of your school. There's confidence when you when you are at work. There's confidence to tell people about Jesus. You have confidence when people mock you for following Jesus. Because it's not about you. It's about him. He's the one that defines you. He's the one that, that is for you. It's a powerful thing. So here's what I want to do. I want to just pray for those of you tonight. Go ahead and stand with me. I want to pray for those of you tonight that would just say, listen, I need to know what it means to belong to God. I need to know what it means to walk in the confidence that I'm his child, that I'm accepted, not rejected. I need to know what it means that he is for me, that I'm not criticized. I need to know more than I've ever known before. And and like I said, I, I think even as we enter into this school year, man, if we can start tonight and walk in that throughout the year, it'll be powerful for each one of us. So if that's you tonight, I just want to invite you to come down for us. I pray for each one of my friends tonight. God, I pray for confidence to know that they are children of God. God, I pray that you would break every paradigm, every wrong paradigm of what a a father is, every wrong paradigm of what it means to be a son or a daughter. I pray that you would break that in the name of Jesus. I pray for healing in their heart and in their mind. They would have clarity and know truth. God, I pray that you would empower them and move in each one of them. In Jesus' name. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. 